Well, we are, uh, as you know, if you were here last week, we are in a series, a new series, um, and it's called Back to the Start. And, and as I shared last week, if you were here or if you watched online, um, you, you heard that the idea is to go back to the beginning of, of why we do so, much, so many of the things that we do. You know, why, why, are, why are we here? Why do we sing songs, you know, before uh, we, we hear the Word of God? Why, why do we pray? Why do we read the Word of God? And, and again, there's probably in your mind an initial simple answer to that. But I think the way that we truly understand things is to go back to the beginning, to go back to the start and understand why uh, we do what we do. And so that's what this whole series about, is about. And if you recall last week, we talked about worship, right? Anybody remember that? Anybody want to share a snapshot of it? Just kidding. Uh, I won't put you on the spot like that. But, um, but, you know, we think about it, right? We think about worship. I hear that all the time. I use it all the time. I, I say it all the time. We have worship songs, you know, worship leaders, worship this, worship that. But when we dug into it, I hope, my hope was that you got, got like a broader, deeper foundation of what worship truly is. And the big takeaway, I think, is that worship is more than a song. Worship is more than what you see here on Sunday mornings. Worship is the way that we live our lives before God. It's really turning our hearts over to God and living our lives in a, in a place of worship. And, and if you recall, worship is almost like the overarching umbrella over this whole series. Because everything we're going to talk about really is an act of worship. Because everything that we do is worship to God, right? As believers, as, as followers of Christ, you know, we become, as the Bible says, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we become, so to speak, the, the temple that you see in the Bible in the Old Testament now is, is us because the Spirit dwells in us. And so God is with us, in us, and so we are the temple. And so everything that we do, we can do as an act of worship. And so as we go to this week now, we're going to move to uh, something, again, it's going to seem really simple at first, and it is in, in an essence, but there's some deeper things that we can get to today. Uh, today we're going to talk about why we read and obey the Word of God. Okay, Why we read and obey the Word of God. And again, seemingly simple, but I think we can unpack that today. I remember uh, as a child growing up, uh, my oldest brother had a 10-speed, and we lived on a, a dirt road, uh, kind of, kind of country-ish, you know, very similar to kind of this surrounding here. Um, a lot of farm fields around, but um, it was summers were pretty warm in Michigan. Again, like here, we get those warm days, what we would call hot days. You know, after living in the Middle East, it's maybe not quite that bad, but uh, but they are hot by our standards. And we sometimes would make this trek. It was probably about maybe four miles or so. Uh, and we lived on our road was actually a dirt road at the time. And we would make this trek into town to go to the city pool. All right, the swimming pool. And I was young, and I remember my, my seat, so we had one, he had one 10-speed. I didn't have a bike, or I, I couldn't ride my bike, I forget why. But I might have been so young, I was like on a you know, tricycle. So he would, we would wrap a towel around the bar of the 10-speed, and that was my seat for four miles down a dirt road. Yeah, you can smile. You can, I can laugh now. I can laugh now. I've got four kids. We're good. But um, it's... Uh, <laughs> Three of you got that joke. Uh, but so anyway, sitting on that 10-speed in the towel, it was a pretty thick towel, so it wasn't too bad. But we would go to the swimming pool. And I just remember, like, you know, you'd get there. And, you know, anybody been to a public swimming pool like that, like in town or something? And, you know, there's just tons of people. I mean, this is like the place. Not a lot of people had swimming pools at that time. 
And so, you know, the first thing, you know, you got to like fill out paperwork and sign all these waivers and then you go in and there's, there's like all these, you know, rules and these lifeguards are there and you're supposed to read the sign, you know, all the, the instructions and then you're supposed to follow them, right? As a kid, as most of you probably can remember, or I'm sure you've never done this, but the no running thing just sort of slips your mind often, doesn't it? And so next thing you know, you're running, and what do you hear? You hear that whistle blow, right? And that lifeguard's yelling at you. And so there's all these rules, but my point is, is that sometimes people followed them, sometimes people didn't really follow them. And so no matter how big that sign was or how many things you signed coming in that you read everything, you know, it just seemed like there were a lot of people that just ignored kind of the what to do or how this is supposed to work. But how many of us know now, probably as we're a little more seasoned, that, you know, those things were in place for really our safety, weren't they? Because, you know, as a little kid, you're running along, and I think it's happened a couple times in my life. You know, you try to make that corner on wet cement around the pool. The next thing you know, you're sliding across and you know, bang your head on the ground or something. It's for our, our good. And so the idea here and that whole kind of image or that picture really is to kind of give us sort of some thought into the gears of and how this is supposed to work really with what it is to read the Word of God. Right? Which is good, huh? Everybody reading the Word of God, I think we can agree on that. But here's the, the, the tricky part is we're supposed to actually obey it and do it. <laughs> and I think many people, many of us are, are pretty good at reading, but that obedient part or that doing it part is kind of a challenge at times, isn't it? We can be honest. I'm, I have that too. It's hard sometimes. But we need to be reminded. And so, you know, how... How can we obey something, though? Like, I think of those, that big board of rules, you know, at the, the pool, the swimming pool. If I don't stop and read that, how am I ever supposed to know what I'm supposed to do or not do, you know? I can have the best intentions, but if I don't stop and read and understand what it's saying, I can't really do it. And, and so when it comes to the Word of God, if, if we don't know the Word of God or, or, or know about it, but more importantly, if we don't trust it, then how are we going to do what it's saying? For those of us with children or have been around kids, but especially with our own children, this is going to sound kind of funny, maybe not, uh, but you know, it really starts in a lot of ways, maybe you disagree, but obedience kind of comes out of a fear-based thing, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot of the guys are like, yep, that's what happens. Um, but it's, you think about it though, it's, it, there's a consequence, right? There's, there's a, a fear of what my punishment will be. I'm not talking about, you know, taking them outside and, you know, getting a switch or something. I'm just saying whatever the consequences are, that's sort of their, that's, that's what keeps them out of doing what they're not supposed to do. Agreed? Right? And so th that's kind of where it starts. But as they get older and if you do things right, and again, we're all a work in progress. We're trying to get this right. But if we do things well, Hopefully, what happens is that shifts really from a consequence kind of response or obedience to a love-based obedience, right? When our parent or when our kids see that we love them, when our kids see that we just want the best for them in their life, then what happens is they begin to do things the right way or do what we're asking them to do, not because they're concerned about what consequence will happen or what will come down from us, but because they love us so much that they want to do what makes us happy, what pleases us and what honors us. And so really that's how we are as believers, right? 
We want to do what we're supposed to do. We want to be obedient, not because we're afraid God's going to like strike us with a bolt of lightning, but because we begin to experience and understand and realize how loving God is. You know, you really don't have to look any further than the cross of Jesus Christ, right? How much God loves us. And that should be what stirs us to a place and to a heart of obedience. But before we talk about this obedience part, I want to first just, we're going to spend a little bit of time just talking about what is the word of God. All right. What is the word of God? Again, a little bit of a loaded question. You know, is this the word of God? Not a trick question. Is this the word of God? <laughs> okay. Y'all like, uh, I don't know with you the way you're going this morning, but no, it's the word of God. It is. You're right. It is the word of God. And so, but there, it's, it's much deeper than that. And so we're going to get into that here as we lay some groundwork before we move into the obedience. Okay. You guys remember the, the old song, trust and obey for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to, yeah, you guys are on it this morning. See, I grew up, I know, I know how this rolls a little bit. I used to sing these songs too. So let's talk about the word of God, all right? One term that we hear in the scriptures for the word of God is logos, okay? Logos, and, and this term literally translated the word uh, in the scripture. It's, it basically means the, uh, the expression of a thought, okay? The expression of a thought. Um, in Acts 11, verse 1 is an example uh, where it says, Jesus was the embodiment of the message from God, so he is called the Word of God, the Logos of God, okay? And so throughout, this is one of the terms that is translated word, all right? Another one is rhema. Anybody heard of rhema before? All right, rhema, it refers to the actual spoken or written words of God, all right? So this is kind of the lie, living word that comes down that God gives uh, to us. And uh, in Hebrews 6, 5, it says it's tasted the goodness of the word of God, meaning it's, it's, it's the living word. It's, it's this fresh word from God. Okay, so those are a couple terms that, we, that, that are translated in our Bibles as uh, the word. Uh, the Bible, which, again, that's what we call this, this book here, the Bible, uh, it comes from the Latin and Greek words meaning, ready? Anybody know? Book. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty, you know, let's, let's take a, a vote here what we should call this thing. Uh, let's go with Bible because it means book. But it's not just any book, is it? It is not just any book. It is, it is the book. It's, it's a fitting name, obviously. It is the Bible is the book for all people for all time. Think about how long ago the original scriptures were written, and here we are today, gathered around, listening to the scriptures be shared and taught on. Why? Because they still apply today. They are still applicable today. And so the Bible, again, is, is for all time, and it is in a class by itself. It's composed of 66 different books, all right, and they include books of the law, like Leviticus and Deuteronomy, historical books like Ezra and Acts, Books of poetry, like the Psalms and Ecclesiastes. Books of prophecy, like Isaiah and Revelation. Biographies, like Matthew and John. And things called epistles, which are formal letters, like Titus and Hebrews and many of the letters to the church. And so it's this collection of different things, but it's all unified in one. And so let's talk about a minute about the authors of the Bible. There's about 40 different human authors that contributed to the Bible. All right, it was written over a period of 1,500 years, and authors included, listen to this, and just, just pause for a minute, and just hear, hear, as I go through this list, listen to the, the diversity here. There were kings, 
There were fishermen, there were priests, government officials, farmers, shepherds, and doctors. It kind of sounds like the start to a good joke, right? I mean, like they all walked into a bar together or something, because it's just like, why would all these people, what brings all these people together? But it's such a diverse and such a broad base of people. But in spite of this tremendous diversity of authors comes an incredible unity, right? With common themes woven throughout. And so when you read the scripture, that's what the beauty is, is, is there's, there's all this, this, this span of time as scripture was written from all these different backgrounds of people, but there's unity woven throughout. There's, there's a common thread woven throughout. The Bible's unity, it comes as a result of one thing only. And this is it. Ultimately, that the Bible has one author, and that is God himself. That the scriptures have withstood the test of time, and people, when they get in and they study, it is absolutely amazing no earthly person could have brought that kind of group, eclectic group of people together to write something that shares such an, an amazing common thread as we see in the scriptures in the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that the Bible is God-breathed. God-breathed. The human authors wrote exactly what God wanted them to write, and the result was the perfect and holy word of God. Psalm 12, 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. And seven is, of course, the number of perfection. So it's the perfect word of God. And so we come to this question now as we continue to dis discuss and to, to look at and, and kind of peer into the word of God. And that's, that's this. And it, you don't need to raise your hand on this, but here's a question for you and maybe you've been here before, is, is can I trust the Word of God? Can I trust the Word of God? There's two um, kind of terms that you hear oftentimes that, that go with this question. Um, there's infallibility and there's inerrancy, all right? Infallibility and inerrancy. And I'm going to talk about infallibility just for a second, and then we'll talk about inerrancy. Infallibility is really, it's, it's making an error in uh, one thing, being, but I'm sorry, being wrong is another. Sorry, let me just start over. Making an error is one thing, but being wrong is another, okay? And the word infallibility literally means not able to fail, all right? Not able to fail. It simply means that the scriptures are never wrong, and they never failed to be true or failed to come true. So infallibility, again, that's, that's where we land it means not able to fail, and that's what the scriptures are about. And then there's this other word, inerrancy, and, and that's to say that the scriptures are inerrant. It, it literally means that they are without error, okay? Now, listen, that, that is, uh, it, it's not that there's, there's been translations over time. It's going back to the original scriptures as they were written, were written, uh, again, inerrant. Uh, but over time with authors and translations, Things could have happened and probably did, as you can imagine, because back in the day, you couldn't put something on a copy machine, could you? Somebody literally had to sit there and, and hand scribe all the, the translations. So again, us being able to find original documents and going back in the, the, the scrolls and the original transcripts have allowed us to really get back and get very uh, refined back to just about the original. So we know that, that overall, the scripture is reliable and that we can, we can trust it. And so... 
again, so that's the, the trust issue that maybe we have, but now let's talk about why is God's word important? Why is God's word important? Um, as I was preparing and studying, I came across this article by Dr. J David Jeremiah, and he, he listed out these things, and, and I wanted to share them here with you today. Um, but he says, he says, how important is God's word to you? And think about that question for a minute. And today's going to be kind of probably a lot of questions because I want you to, to pause because I can say these things or ask these things. And a lot of times we're like, we just kind of sit there like and just wait for me to continue. But I want you to think about in that in your mind right now, how important is God's word to you? And he goes on, he says, when we humble ourselves before scripture, acknowledging that it has been given to us by the living God, we will receive the following blessings, okay? So number one blessing that we receive from God's word is God's word leads us to salvation. God's word leads us to salvation. How many here had someone share with them the gospel message? How many here, or maybe you came to church or somebody shared with you, any, go ahead and show your hand, raise your hands. Okay, so someone spent time with you, they shared something with you from scripture that caught you, right? That, that, that got a hold of you. How many of you, or is there anybody here, maybe a better question, is anyone here that simply maybe somebody gave you a Bible and you started reading the Bible and you came to Christ through just reading the scripture? Anybody? Okay, a few people, all right? And that's, that's, that's another way, right? That's the way the scriptures worked because God's word, it leads us to salvation. And even when somebody shares with you, it's not just, you know, we can start with our testimonies, but ultimately we come to a place where we're sharing the word of God because that is what brings us to salvation. You see, the, the way of salvation, again, it can be clearly revealed just by reading the Bible. <clears throat> the second blessing that comes is that the scriptures guide our steps. Psalm 118, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If we read and heed the Lord's instructions, we will, he will show us where to go, what to say, and how to make decisions. His word also reveals when we're heading the wrong direction and warns us of the consequences of continuing down that path. So again, so that is a benefit of the word of God, right? It gives us direction in life. It also lets us know. It's just like that running by the pool, you know, and if I hadn't read the sign or didn't know that, I'm just running, then I don't know the instructions. But with the word of God, it helps us to let us know, you know what, this isn't a good idea. And let's not do that. Number three, the God's word, it directs us to wisdom. Psalm 119, 130, it says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. All right? gives understanding to the simple. Scripture is our greatest protection. It's like a shield before us guarding our way and warning of danger. But if we don't read and obey the word of God, we won't be able to distinguish right from wrong. All right? How many of us would like more wisdom? I would. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, wisdom is different than knowledge. I, you know, I jokingly say sometimes in Google we trust, right? It's like that's what we do. We always laugh around each other when we're sitting there like we don't know something. You just like go to the phone, right? Like what is this? And you get instant information, but how many know that there's not wisdom in just knowledge? There's a lot of really smart people walking around these days, but wisdom is becoming harder and harder to find. Because wisdom is, again, not something you just read on a screen. Number four, uh, God's word, it, it lifts our burden. Because the Lord is interested in every aspect of our lives, we can run to his word in our pain, grief, loneliness, or sickness and receive help in our time of trouble. And again, this is something, 
you know, I think we buy into so often from the enemy, you know, we, when we hit these hard times, if we're not careful, we can either press into God's word or we can sort of just like push it to the side and like, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to talk to somebody. And, and again, talking to somebody is good, but going to the word of God begins to help us and it lifts our burden. Why do you think when you come to church sometimes and you come in maybe with a weight on your shoulders or you're feeling kind of that burden like uh, weighing you down of just what's going on in life and you gather together and we worship God in song? Because you know, a lot of our songs, again, they're, they're really scripture with music. There's, there's scripture woven in our songs. Um, or you hear the message. And then a lot of times, and, and again, you don't, you know, don't raise your hands or be too honest, but I think, though, a lot of times when you leave the service, you feel much different than when you came. Because the word of God has been taught, the word of God has been shared and gone forth, and it lifts that burden off your shoulders. And so those mornings when you feel like the last thing you want to do to, is go to church is probably the exact day that you need to come to church and be at church. You need to be here. Because the, God has something for you in hearing his word and, and, and lifting up praise to our God together lifts that burden. Number five, the word of God brings joy. If we love the word, we'll find great joy and comfort in reading it, according to Psalm 119, 111. When facing tough situations and discouragement, our first response will be to open the scriptures. Even if we don't know where to read, the Lord will guide us to a passage which can restore our hope and joy. Again, lots of questions today, just for you to think about, because I want to stir what's in here. But how many times, how many times have you been just in that hard spot and you open up like a devotional or, or your, your, your passage, your daily reading that day just happens to land square on and speak straight into your situation and God speaks through his word to you. Again, it's, it's the word of God, it brings joy and God speaks to us through his scripture and he will lead us to exactly what we need to see and to read and to understand. Number six, lastly, and this is probably the best one is the scriptures give us peace. The scripture gives us peace. And again, today, these, these days that we're living right now, we all need probably more peace in our lives. And if you feel and you sense you're losing that peace within your heart, you're, just, you're getting kind of spooled up and shaken, you need to get to the word of God and you need to spend time there because it will bring us peace. Perhaps the most desired possession in this world is peace, but it can only be found from the Lord. We go and we try to find it. We, you know, people go to video games, they go to chats, or they, they go out to the bar, or they go hang out with friends. Like, and again, nothing, there's nothing wrong with most of those things. It's just, if we're getting in here, the world's not going to get it. All, a lot of that stuff, it just covers it for a moment. If we want to get true peace, then we need to go to the Lord and to his word. It says, those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Psalm 119, 165. Peace means to be bound to something. And when that something is the word of God, we are bound to him and experience the peace Jesus promised his disciples. You know, Pastor Tony shared today about the persecuted church. And I think about even the disciples and so many times and so many of the things you see written in scripture. Um, you know, again, many of Paul's letters to the church were written from prison but we can still have peace even, even amongst persecution and the, the greatest difficult times that we can face, we can still walk in God's peace as we, we study his scripture. So a lot of these references here, Psalm 119, 
uh, it, it, they come from Psalm 119. And it says, how many times, or sorry, in Psalm 119, has anybody read Psalm 119 before? All right, you guys, um, you guys have any guesses how many, how many verses are in that? <laughs> 160? Okay, it's close. It's 176. So I think for the rest of our time, we're just going to read verse by verse through this Psalm 119. Is that okay? We'll just go around. Everybody read one? Okay. Okay, I heard yes, but no, I heard no. So we won't do that. But one thing I want to give you an assignment, all right? Here's, an, here's a homework assignment I want you to do, and it's this. I want you to go through Psalms 118, and I want you to, to underline, and I did this uh, before. I, I thought it was this Bible, but I was going to show you, but it's one of my other Bibles I did it in. But um, how many times commandments, law, testimonies, ways, precepts, statutes, judgments, word, ordinances, all those kind of terminologies, how many times they show up, all right? Because that's all really talking about what God's law, God's, God's word, God's how, what we're supposed to obey. And I'll give you a clue. Let me kind of give you a little, kind of give you a little spoiler. It's all but three verses in, in all the 176 verses. Can you believe that? It's incredible. But that's showing the importance of understanding how important it is <clears throat> to our obedience to what God has said. <clears throat> and so now I want to shift gears a bit, and I want us to move now. Again, we talked about, you know, why uh, we read and, and why we should read the Word of God. Now I want to move into this disobedience for just the remainder of our time here today. Anybody love hearing about obedience? It's just one of our favorite things to do, right? Yeah, I know all of you drove the speed limit on the way here, coming through town. How many were doing 25, 30? Yeah, okay. Yep, God's watching, just saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. That's why I got to know all the police officers in town. Um, but listen, once there is understanding, okay, and this is the challenge, challenging part, we have to move to obedience, all right? We can claim ignorance for a while, but once we know the truth, and I think that's why a lot of people maybe don't read the scripture like they should or why they don't want to go deeper, you know, in their walk with God because it's like, dang it, once I know it, then I've got to do it. Right now I can just claim ignorance and all is bliss. But we have to, once we, we understand, we have to move to obedience. Imagine, if you will, a basketball player, right, walking onto a football field in the middle of a game, and he's got the ball, <laughs> all right? He's going to, you know, be looking for the hoop, He's going to be sitting there bouncing the ball while all of these uh, you know, linemen are coming at him. And how do you think that's going to work out for him? With no pads and no expectation because in basketball it's a little different. You can't, you can't really push. Imagine when that first guy plows into him and tackles him to the ground, right? Does that work well? It might be fun to watch, I'll say that. But I don't think it's going to, it doesn't really work well. Why? Because the basketball player is, is operating under a certain uh, rules and, and what he understands of his game, and he's trying to move that uh, to a, a place where there's, the rules are not the same. And that's really, again, as we move uh, into our understanding, we have to move to obedience. Once we know how we're supposed to live, then it's a matter of walking it out. And so the Bible tells us how we should live our lives according to God's will, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Word of God, and as we said earlier, Jesus is also called the Word of God. And so in the Holy Spirit, we see dwelt inside of him and on him and told him the things to do and to say. And so again, Jesus is our example. And Jesus himself, the Son of God, God 
in the form of man, came to earth and he walked in line with the word of his heavenly father. He, he walked in line with what the word said, but he didn't just you know, listen to it and look at it, but he did it and he, he spoke it. And so that's why in James 1.22, it tells us to what? Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Listen to the, the, the message translation of this. I don't use this very often. It's a very paraphrased uh, version, but listen to this. Uh, James 1, 22 through 25, it says this. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and in two minutes later have no idea what or who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks to it, is no, is, not, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Again, this is kind of just really paints that picture, doesn't it? A friend of mine once said, I, I believe I've shared it here before, a friend of mine once shared, he said, uh, a lot of us as, as churchgoers are educated beyond our obedience. We spend so much time, we can be you know, at every, every meeting, we can be at every service, we can learn, we can memorize the Bible for, from front to back, but until we start doing it, we're not going to truly experience all that God has for us in our life. We have to put it into application. We do. And I want to you know, put that out there too, and, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but you know, one of the things that I, I want to see us as a church and we're going to move in, in this direction probably next year sometime is to really get us prepared and trained into how to share the gospel with someone that doesn't know Jesus. Because I'll just say statistically, I'm not going to talk about just our church, but statistically, most Christians, I think it's somewhere like 70% or higher, cannot accurately articulate the gospel, what the gospel message is, how to, how to lead somebody to Christ, okay? Because it's, it's intimidating for most people. They're like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> but we're going to help and we're going we're gonna to really work towards growing in that area so you're comfortable with how you can share the good news. And a lot of it comes, it starts with your testimony, but then you do need to take it and be able to walk them in. And then what comes behind that is discipleship, which again, I say it all the time, you know, it's somewhat easy to, to get somebody to, to say a prayer or to, to become saved in one sense. It's the discipleship part, you know, that that's the work. Because that's kind of where you're changing diapers, right? Because they're a new Christian. They're like a baby Christian, we would say. And so they're learning. So we, it's, it's a long road. In John 14, there's a lot of scripture today, but we're, we're talking on the Word of God, right? So it's, it's good. John 14, verses 15 through 24, it says this, and you probably, again, familiar scripture. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Just sit with that for a second. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is Jesus speaking, and he goes on, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. Listen to this. And be in you. You see, we've been given the Holy Spirit, church. 
When Jesus left, he promised the Holy Spirit would come. And that's what we, if you're those of you that were here, part of our Acts series, we went through this. We talked about this, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit arrived and began to indwell in the disciples. It was an amazing thing because, again, that's why Jesus said, it's better that I go. Because Jesus was in earthly form. He could only be at one place at one time. The Holy Spirit has, has now uh, arrived, and he's living within each one of us that profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, and he goes on to explain that a little bit. And then in verse 21, it says, again, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now listen to this, and it repeats again. Again, there, anytime you see kind of a repeated phrase or a few scriptures, what is, what is that? It's like kind of when you're giving a lecture to your kids, right? And they're sitting there like, and you're saying it on your 20th time, you know, because it takes about 19 to 20 times to get it through a teenager's. That's statistics, by the way, I think. Somebody can back me up on that. But I think it's like the 19th time you repeat it in a four-minute window. That's when they get it. So, um, I, sorry, my kids are not here. I love it, though. I love it. It's, that's like my torture for my kids. They know what's coming. It's like going to be this lecture. They're going to they're gonna get it. And I just enjoy it. It's like having all of your, you know, kept right now, not captive. You're not captive, I hope. But having them, it's just like, great. I just sit there, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And, and by the end of it, you're going to understand. But I have to repeat myself 22 times. So, again, Jesus repeats himself. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, or logos, right? And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. How many of that, I mean, that sounds like a great thing, right? If we keep his word, he loves us. Whoever keeps my commandments, he loves us. How many want to be loved by Jesus and God the Father? Yeah? I think, yeah. You can clap for that. That's appropriate. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, all of you. You go clap. Yep. Put those digits together. Because that's good. <laughs> Isn't that kind of what we want? Isn't that the whole kind of the play of this whole thing? Like, yeah, we want to be loved by Jesus and the God the Father. Now listen to this. Listen to verse 24 in John 14. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. That is a sobering statement, isn't it? Because I think of, of, of how my heart can drift and how I can do things that I know are not right or not what God wants me to do, and I do them anyway. I know I'm the only person here that struggles with that, but, you know, we do these things, right? And it's just like, Wow, and you read something like this, and if I don't keep what God says, and he's not saying to be perfect, don't misunderstand. He's saying that we should, be, we should always be moving towards obedience and walking in obedience, and where we fall and make mistakes, that's where grace is, that's where the love of Christ is, that's where that kicks in. And so the importance of obeying Jesus is tied directly to worship, okay? Just like last week we talked about this. It's, it's, it's tied directly. If we're worshiping God, we worship God. A way we worship God is through our obedience to his word. He told his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, it, then, and then he goes, and, sorry, he, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's the bottom line. But there's a couple ways that we can read this. One is conditional, and this was really interesting to me. One is conditional. Keeping Jesus' commandments or commands is how we show our love to him, right? So you read that, if you love me, keep my commands. So if I love Jesus, the way I, I show that love is, is to keep the commands, right? To keep what he tells us to do, to do the right thing. Makes sense, and it's, it's right. It's, it's right. 
But there's another way to look at this, and the second way is correlational. And listen to this. In order to be able to keep Jesus' commands, we have to truly love him. Do you see the difference? Let me just kind of touch that one more time. So the first way is to keep Jesus' commands is how we show love for him. So, right? so what we do demonstrates who, how we love, right? Versus the second way, the only way that we can walk in obedience and do the right thing is if we love Jesus first. If we come to a place where we love Jesus in such a way that we want to honor and that we want to please, it's not no longer actions out here to show that we love him. No, out of our love for him produces the fruit, produces the right action. So it all starts with that question, and that's a question for you to let linger in your mind today and this week, is do you love Jesus? And I know we would all say yes, but just think about it. As one translation puts it, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. This is the way Jesus, another translation of that, that verse, if you love me, keep my commands. Loving me, loving Jesus, empowers you to obey his commands. And when we approach it this way, we see that the outcome of loving Jesus is being empowered to obey him. Looking at it this, this second way, it should affect how we worship Jesus. Our worship doesn't make us uh, worthy in his eyes. It recognizes that he alone is worthy. And I say this all the time. So much of where we get into trouble is because we put things and we make things much bigger, whether it's our problems or things going on in our life. We make those things bigger than God. Many of us have a small picture of who God really is. And when we truly begin, we can never fully comprehend, but when we start to kind of get a glimpse of who our God is and how great he is and how majestic he is, that is our natural response is to worship him. And part of our worship is obedience. And we acknowledge this essential truth and simply admit that he deserves our complete devotion. He gives us the will and the power to please him in all that we think, say, and do. In John 14, and it finishes out with this. It says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Peace I leave with you. And listen to this. This is for somebody today. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And he goes on to talk about when he goes away. But he finishes with this, this, this bit right here in verse 31. It says, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. How we live our lives, how we treat one another. And, you know, that was one of the things I appreciated when, when Jeff was up here. You know, it's, it's, it's been hard. I, I think you all understand that, navigating everything during the, this last year and a half or so. It's been hard. But I am so proud of all of you, all this church. I'm, pr I'm proud of, I, I love you guys because you have shown love for one another and for us. And we as leaders here are trying our best to, to, to navigate this. And as we show love for one to one another and as we walk this out together, it is a testament to the world to see that we truly love God. So as we close today, I want to read some scripture to you real quick. <laughs> I know it's, it's quite a bit, and I hope you go back and listen to this, but I want you to understand. 
I don't want to get up here and just talk on Sundays to you. I want you to hear the Word of God. I want you to understand the Word of God. And, and talking about that today, and you guys have all messed with me, most of you, because I said at one time, you know, like, don't ever come up to me after a service and say, you know, great sermon. <laughs> you can if you want to. That's fine. But um, what means the most to me is when I hear somebody that said, you know what, what you said a couple weeks ago, I went out and did that. You know, what you shared from the Word, and, and I went out and, I, and God really spoke to me, and I changed that, and, and, and I'm working on that area of my life. That's what makes me most excited. Because to hear it is great, and to understand it is great, but until we put it into action, and myself included, because you got to understand, when I study for a message or for, or for a sermon, I have to work through all this through the week, right? I have to work through all these things and, and be convicted, and me and God have our conversations um, through that, that week. But go out and do what we're supposed to do. That's, that's what it boils down to. Because, you know, we have these moments right now. We're about to wrap up the service here in a few moments. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to hit the ground running. We got life to live, right? We got a week ahead of us. And we got all that busyness that's going to come crashing in. All the things we have to do. And in these few moments, we, you have a moment kind of in time. And you're, it's processing. And it's... For most of us here, the Holy Spirit is not working here as much as here. Because something resonates. Something says, yeah, I, I need to change. There's, there's this area, and, and right now, because I know how God works, it, He brings it to our remembrance. He, he puts that spotlight on it. And He doesn't do it in a way that's like, you know, you're horrible and look at what you've done and look how bad you are and look how many times you make these mistakes. He's saying, no, Give this to me. <laughs> when are you going to let go of this? Because I want to take it. Because I want you to experience life to its fullest. Not just entertainment that the world offers, but that peace of God that can that dwell in you. That joy that only comes from God. To know when you're walking in stride. And maybe most of us here, I think, have hit those strides at times in our life where we know we're walking right in sync with God, with His will, with His plan. And there's nothing that beats that, is there? When you know that you're walking in the right place with God. We're not perfect, but we know when we're doing what God has asked us to do and it's beautiful in Acts chapter 2 beginning verse 42 it says and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching okay so you know there's the word of God and the fellowship you know gathering together and the breaking of bread you know which is why we do communion and prayers and it goes on and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together again, that, that gathering together, why it's important, breaking bread in their homes, which is meals, gathering together outside of this, this Sunday church. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And check this out. This last, last thing I'm going to read today. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, that's, that's what I want to see. I, I do my best. I mean, any pastor that says they're not, they don't count the numbers, it's, they're, they're lying. It, it, it does, you try not to focus on that. But what I, what I want to see is, because the reality is most people that come to churches usually are coming from 
another church, maybe not in a bad way, maybe they've moved or something. A lot of them are Christians. But what I wanna start seeing is people that you've shared the gospel with during the week who come to Christ and you bring them to church. <laughs> now, now we're cooking with Crisco, right? I mean, now things are gonna start hopping because we are starting to see people come to Christ and we're starting to see people then come to church and then we're gonna, we can have the way that they can become disciples and, and begin to move them and to mature in Christ. Those are the stories we wanna see, don't we? And those are the stories we can see as we again humble ourselves, that we stay in God's word, but most importantly, that we apply it and we obey it, amen? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, for today. God, I thank you for every person, Lord, here. I thank you for everyone watching online, Lord God, that can uh, be a part of our service from their homes. And God, we just pray, God. We pray, Lord, that you would uh, convict us, Lord, where we have not been obedient to your word. And again, God, it's had this such a deep sense. It's, it's not about perfection. We know that, that we can't be perfect, Lord. But God, we can be faithful. God, help us to move to a place, to, to move from hearing the word into to living the word, into, into doing what is said, God. God, you haven't given us a list of rules because you're some grouchy God, Lord. You, you've given us a list of rules, not, not because you're, you're sitting in heaven keeping tick marks and every time we make a mistake, but God, you've shared the way that we can live life to the fullest and the ways that that happens because you love us. And God, again, because you sent your son is a, the demonstration, the greatest demonstration anyone could give of the amount of love that you have for us. God, we are truly unlovable people because we are sinful by nature. But God, you are so great and so merciful that you first loved us, even in our sin. And God, I pray, Lord, that each person here, Lord God, would have a sense, Lord, of, of your spirit, the Holy Spirit in their lives to the place where it, it produces change in us, that we begin to apply the things that we, we read and we understand and know. God, I pray you just help each person here today to walk away from this, this time today and truly surrender themselves, Lord, to what your word says, that we would surrender ourselves, Lord God, to your leading, and that we would surrender ourselves to the way that you have laid out before us. God, it may not be easy necessarily, but God, it will be worth it every step of the way. And so God, we thank you, Lord, that you meet us in that place. God, for anyone here today or watching online that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that they would make that decision today, that they would confess their sins, that they would, Lord, pronounce you, Lord, as Lord and Savior of their lives with their mouth, Father. God, that you, you died on the cross for their sin. God, that you rose again on the third day, Lord, and that you would enter their lives as both Lord and Savior. God, I pray that they would make that commitment today and that they would tell someone because, Lord, that is great news. So, God, we thank you for where you're leading us and that you're going to be with us every step of the way. Continue to challenge us to be conformed into your image, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?